0: So as you can see, the title, the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, is what we're going to talk about today. Um, those are very important, very important topic. Um, a little bit of background. The motivation behind this particular sermon um, is threefold, I guess. Uh, one is that. Pentecost Sunday's coming up like we've mentioned, and uh, I think it's when I come up on really significant days in the church calendar, I like to understand a little bit more about them because it helps me to join alongside all the brothers and sisters we have in the church worldwide in in honoring this this day uh, and honoring what the Lord did and remembering i mean that's that was a huge part of of the culture of the hebrews and of the early christians and it should be a huge part of who we are is remembering things i mean most of the bible is just jews recounting what god had done for them (laughs) and then christians recounting what god had done for them and it's us we should recount what god has done for us and so that's the main point another point is it's always been a really big deal for me Um, especially when I first came to this church of marrying or joining together or uh, not dividing the two big points of like making scripture study and knowledge and knowing God um, in our heads and things like that important and, and knowing God experientially and his Holy Spirit and, and his presence. And those two things like, you know, growing up, I, we visited a lot of different churches, a lot of different backgrounds. I've been to Methodist churches, Catholic churches, uh, Pentecostal churches, Reformed Baptists, you know, all and you name it. I've been there, and uh, this is one of the first places I've been to that marries those two things together, or at least attempts to do it well. And at times we don't do it so well, but we attempt it, which is big for me. So that'd probably be my second fold purpose in this, and and third fold is I just like talking about the Holy Spirit. So, and and was you know it was put on my heart by the Holy Spirit. So. That has weight and is worth mentioning. So, let's get into the outline here. Like I said, we're going to talk about Pentecost Sunday. It's May 23rd. Um, and then you should have uh, an outline that came in your bulletin. Okay? So, this was created by Greg Weiss. Um, In its infancy, probably 30, 40 years ago, and has been developed since then. And uh, I think a lot of us are familiar with it and have seen it, maybe even taught from it or been taught from it. And uh, so I use this as my rough outline. Pretty less rough, pretty accurate outline. (laughs) So most of my work was done already. So first point is we're going to talk about the larger context of the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay. Why this matters to us. I know that's what we all care about is why why we should care about it. <laughs> right? Why would you come to a sermon if it didn't include purpose for you? Then we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. I think that's something we, we kind of jump past and just go to like, well, why the Holy Spirit? What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? And we just totally blow over the person of the Holy Spirit. It's like, Not caring about who the person is and just saying, like... It's like when we greet someone and we say... uh, The first thing we want to know about them is, like... Well, what's your job? What do you do? (laughs) And it's like, we totally blow by, who is this person that we're talking to? That's huge in our cultures. We kind of just go to, well, what do you do? Put too much weight in that. So we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how... um, he has attributes of, of God and and attributes of a person. By that, I mean like personality, okay? Um, he's not, He the Holy Spirit was never incarnate, okay? <laughs> I mean personality when I say person. And we're gonna talk about how we see him in the scripture. And hopefully we get a little bit more depth when we look for the Holy Spirit in scripture. I think, you know, we, we see Christ in scripture. That's pretty obvious. Christ said it all scripture. Uh, speaks about him. And so we're always looking for Christ. But how often are we looking for the Holy Spirit in the works of, of him? So lastly, we'll end with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So like I said, uh, first things first, Pentecost Sunday. And I got these two verses to read. and I just want to read them real quick. Luke twenty four forty nine. I think it bears noting that Luke and Acts were both written by Luke and they're Where Luke ends, Acts picks up. So you can read it like one book, if you really want to, in a way. And behold, I'll just say this real quick too, and add a note I think is really cool. So Luke and Acts, I heard one person say it put this way, that Acts is is about Christ's ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit, and Acts is our ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Luke twenty four forty nine, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 2, 1-4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Obedience. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, if you want some context for, for Pentecost as well, is, is these apostles, the 120 people that were there, the disciples of Christ, are like... I would imagine some of the most wanted people, they, their lives were threatened to stay in Jerusalem. They had no friends, only enemies. Their leader, their main guy who they were following, had just been killed, raised again, and uh, I'm sure the, the Romans wanted to stop this thing from happening, this growing movement, and definitely the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted it to end. And they're basically in a city of enemies. And so when Christ said, stay in this city until I clothe you with power from on high, that is no small thing. They obeyed, and they waited, and they were clothed with power from on high, and they went from praying in an upper room, probably full of fear, um, to being empowered by the Holy Spirit and preaching to 5,000 people. Well, preaching to a lot of people, and then like, thousands were added to the ranks that day thousands from 120 people preaching that's crazy that's such a shift and that's the shift that that when we see the transition from luke to acts is the shift that we we hope to see in our lives as christians is a shift from fear um, hopelessness uh, condemnation, all this stuff, to uh, a shift of power and the the expanding of the kingdom of God. It's a big deal for us. So I want to get one thing across with the larger context here, if we want to bring up that first side about the larger context. Um, I like graphs. I'm an engineer. I like graphs. And uh, I like flow charts. I like one thing leading to another thing. And so this is, again, we talked about why does it matter to you guys today? Who cares about what happened in Acts in Jerusalem during, you know, that time? You weren't there, I don't think. So why do you care? Well, like I said, I've kind of set a, a precedence here is is it? it's important today because that same, those same disciples that were in that upper room that were clothed with power from on high had the same mission we have as christians that that hasn't changed okay in fact um you know Catherine recently said something to me that kind of like was a paradigm shift um for me or it was impactful she probably doesn't even know what she was said uh you'll find out soon uh she she made mention of of how god doesn't like stop things he multiplies things and that's something I've seen sure you know be multiply and be you know be fruitful multiply that kind of thing but it's really a theme that when she she mentioned it in the context of Pentecost specifically and uh I went from just saying like seeing it of of multiplying disciples to God multiplies everything his blessings his commandments his uh his mission for us and so when we talk about Pentecost, he didn't give the mission to the disciples that were there and then it ended with them. He was always multiplying the mission. And we see that in the transition from Luke to Acts. It started with one man really walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. One man with a mission, a redemptive mission for the kingdom of God, Christ, and that was multiplied and his apostles, 12 people, and to his disciples, the 120, and then to thousands, and today millions. And, and the power that comes along with that is multiplied. He said, it's good that I go because like, you'll have more, more power. It will be better for you that I leave and, and leave the Holy Spirit with you. It'll be multiplied. Your ability to evangelize, your ability to uh, conquer sin and death will be multiplied. God doesn't just do like a thing and then stop it. He multiplies it. Even if you look at um, the covenants he does, right? He didn't stop the covenant. So there's an old covenant and new covenant, sure, but it's, it's the same covenant that's been multiplied. It's grander, it's greater. And so that same mission is a mission you all have if you call yourself a Christian and that mission is impossible without the power of God. So that's the greater context here is is we've got a mission for the kingdom of God and you need his power to fulfill that mission. A lot of that was spoken today by Sam about worship. That's part of it. We need that. It's huge. can't fulfill this mission without that stuff. So let's talk about this redemptive mission. On your page uh, about a third of the way down on the outline Acts 321 should be there. Just if you were wondering if there really is a mission or not. Acts 321 whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of some things. Now, all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. So, which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient So, if we want to know what these things are, we should probably read the Old Testament. And if you read the Old Testament, you quickly realize what God wants to restore is not... As trite or as little as just like your personal relationship with him. I don't want to say that your relationship with the Lord is trite. I want to get across that that's not it. That's not the only thing that he wants to restore. He wants to restore lots of things. And it surprises you that sometimes he restores physical cities. He restores families. He restores education. He restores the poor, he's a, he's a restorative God and a redemptive God, and that's his nature. And so if you aren't seeing that in what God's telling you to do, then you're missing something because it's a part of his character. It's a part of his nature is to be redemptive and to restore things, right? So if you're like, well, that's not spiritual. That's just a physical thing. Uh, you know, that torn down building or something. That's not important to God. It's important to him because it's a part of his character, whether it's spiritual or physical. He's a redemptive, restorative God. Yeah. A good example of this is, is, you know, our good friends, the Hakers, uh took it upon themselves when they moved into their house. There's a, a corner lot next to them with a burnt-down house, um, and it was an eyesore for the whole neighborhood, and the government wasn't doing anything about it. As sometimes they don't. And they took it upon themselves. One, sure, it's a great place that they use that, that lot, that area all the time for parties, and, and uh, their kids enjoy that space a lot. But that's not the only reason they cleaned up that spot. They did it partially because they're just redemptive and restorative people taking after God's character. Right? They took it upon themselves to buy this lot with the help of community to tear down this burnt building and fill in the hole that was once someone 's home and now it 's a beautiful area they 've fenced it in and, and it 's not an eyesore on the neighborhood anymore it 's redemptive and it 's a very physical thing and no one can tell me that that 's not spiritual either so God is is hope his mission is hope based and and you know, you can talk about whatever you want about eschatology or uh, ecclesiology and all this stuff, and, and the best argument I've heard for like, why God is like, going to do better and better things in the world is because it's just a part of His character. <laughs> I don't need a bunch of proof texts taken out of context to know that God wants to redeem things. If you read the whole Bible in one, one go, it, you'll see that. So that's a big mission. And uh, if we go to the, yeah, the next slide, please. Thank you. If we believe that that's our mission, which is a lofty goal, we need power from God. We need it. If you want to be a good father, you need power from God. If you want to be a good friend, you need power from God. If you want to get through the work day. You need power from God. And God promised to give us that. And he promised to give us that through his Holy Spirit. So if you look at the very top of, of your outline, Matthew 12, is there. Jesus says, But if I throw out demons by the power of God's Spirit, then God's kingdom has already overtaken you. And I guess we'll just read Luke as well, that reference 1120. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has already overtaken you. A third of Christ's ministry was deliverance from demons. A third. Okay? Okay? A third of everything he did was deliver people from demonic spirits. What he was saying was the kingdom of God is here, guys. (laughs) It's arrived. And his disciples and apostles continued that ministry. Like I said, it multiplied and it's still happening today. God doesn't end these things. He multiplies it. So the kingdom of God is coming. And he's doing it by the power of god's spirit or by the finger of god as he says he's referencing the holy spirit here that's how it happens it's no accident that um, you know christ being fully god while being fully man he he had the the power of god but he laid that aside so that he would have the holy spirit descend on him like a dove and be baptized or empowered by the Holy Spirit himself. So he could set a pattern for us. It was after he, the Spirit descended on him like a dove that he started his ministry. And a lot of power. And it's no accident he did that. He could have just gone out and did all the miracles on his own strength. He was fully God. right? He was setting a pattern for us. That he said, I'm going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own strength. That's how we operate in heaven. So, and this is important that we can't do it in our own strength because I don't know about you, but I'm like one of the most prideful people I know. I take great pride in that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I can't tell you how many times I've been so humbled and been like, wow. Um, I'm not all that great, actually, uh, but you know who is, is like God. God's really great. This leaves no room for us to boast in ourselves, but only to boast in the Lord. That's a huge deal. Because to God be the glory, not us. Come on. So let's, let's move on to the person of the Holy Spirit with that context. I want just That's only the context. That's the background. That's uh, free no extra charge. So the person of the Holy Spirit. I have here an example. Uh, the best way of understanding, not the best way, um, the most helpful example I've been given of understanding the relationship within the Trinity is the example of marriage. I think if I actually think if people understood. The Trinity better, um, we'd have a lot less marital issues in cultures, because if if you just understand God's character better, you'll have better character yourself. And so, an example of marriage, um, we have two things here: is is as a member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit has all the attributes of God. That means he has the same value as the father and as the son, okay? Just as important. Same value, same power, right? Same authority. Um, And right here I have, he has a shared vision with the father and the son. They're working towards the same end goal, okay? And he's aware of what the others are up to. There's a lot of communi- There, there's perfect communication within the Godhead. Okay? Perfect. There's no miscommunication. Everyone knows their role and they're doing it. And and I say this as like, that's what a good marriage should be, is like, really good communication, same value, and, uh, you know like, they have the same mission, same vision. I can't tell you how many times having the same mission with my wife, the same vision for our future, has spared us little arguments. Because it's not, uh, it's not a power struggle at that point. We're working towards the same end. It's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about... Uh, let's see how this fits into the vision we've got, the mission we've got for our family, which is our vision, I'd, I'd hope, is, is the redemptive mission that Christ's given us. And it's really hard to be on the same page if you're not working to the same, same end goal. That's super hard. If you feel like there's always tension uh, in your relationships, it's probably because you're not working towards the same end goal. But, like, like, who could say that, like, a man is more worth valuable than a woman or a woman more valuable than a man, which our culture is, like, obsessed with these valuations of people. But in a healthy marriage, what you see is, like, just because we have different roles doesn't mean our values different at all. And if our culture understood God and his character, a lot of things would be different. But I think marriage would be one of the first things that's really different. And so I love this example because it's just, again, it's not, I'm not picking out a proof text from somewhere. This is infused in scripture, in God's character. <laughs> so if you know God and his character, this should be a really good argument for you and help you uh, be strengthened by it. So we get to the next thing about the atru- or, uh, aspects of personhood, or, or actually the attributes of God, is, is in this, this marriage um, they do have equal value, shared vision, and perfect communication, and so on and so forth. But they do have separate roles in this mission, just like a marriage does, right? God, we have attributes as individuals that make us more equipped for a different role. You know, and and the Bible's full of examples of the body, right? You know, I'm not going to tell you that um, your foot is less valuable than uh, your head or whatever, like. They're all working towards the same end goal, which is your health, right, and your survival. And the same's in a marriage, you know. However your dynamic works out, I guarantee you you're not the same person with the same giftings, right? Um, My wife is way more sensitive and patient than me, and I have a, a better handle on making Decisions and sticking to them than she does, and those combine to be like really good team. Like we're a good team, I think. And you need that, especially if you're going to raise kids or, or, you know, uh, conquer the world for the kingdom of God, because that's what we're talking about. So we're we're equal in value. But we do have separate roles and that distinction is important that's why Christ laid down his power to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to show us that that's the Holy Spirit's job my job was to come and announce the coming of the kingdom and we'll get more into the ministry but this last point here is the same aspects of personhood um, that's a whole section on, on this outline that you'll see. And, and you should go in and, and look at each of those per aspects. But this is just to say that the Holy Spirit's like, we say the Holy Spirit and, and we kind of lose face. We think it's this a, ethereal, ghost-like substance. I don't know. The Holy Spirit has personality. And the reference on, on this sheet is is that there's a, a verse that says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just as much as we can with the Son and with the Father. The Holy Spirit's not some distant, far off, it's not the force from Star Wars, some energy force that is everywhere. The Holy Spirit has personality. That's important to understand because it makes it a lot realer for us. We're, we're people and we see things as people. We make cartoons about cars that look like people and all kinds of things like that. We, we relate to personality and the Holy Spirit has personality. So that's in and of itself just important. So let's go to seeing him in the scripture. The first thing here is really important to understand is... Uh, We talk about the tools of grace and i've seen this in a lot of different other people have said this before we're not the first people to come up with the tools of grace we're the first ones maybe to call it the tools of grace but people call it different things and and it's understandable like there's ways god extends his grace to us and earlier we saw in the scripture it said uh, by the power of God's Spirit or by the finger of God. It's, this is an extension of God's grace to us. The Holy Spirit is an extension of God's grace into your life. And it's often one we forget. That's what I saw when I came here was was when I talked about the importance of, of Scripture and study and that stuff and, and the importance of the Holy Spirit. Um, I... Should have mentioned like, the importance of community to me as well. Like discipleship and people living life together. And those are all three th- ways God brings grace to us. And that's why it was like clicked for me. Like, oh, this is so obvious. I should have had this in every other church I ever went to. I've been longing for this for years. I joined this church uh, halfway through my sophomore year of college at Wright State. And... That was after a year of not finding a community that I could connect with. It was after leaving my parents' home, going, setting out on my own, and trying to find another home. You know, I had a close-knit family. I was trying to find a surrogate family, so to speak, and uh, find the things that I had in my home growing up, which is, you know, a love for God's Word, a love for His Holy Spirit, and, and community. It was family. And these are all ways God brings grace that one alone isn't going to do it for you. You know, if you're just focusing on, I'm going to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads me, uh, you're going to end up in some really weird places because you're not very good at distinguishing who the Holy Spirit is or not. You're imperfect. You don't, a lot of times it's hard for us to say, well, was that just my flesh or was that the Holy Spirit? Right? It'd probably help if you had the Word of God. Or some Christians around you to tell you, no, that's, that's totally you. That's just indigestion. That's not the Holy Spirit. Like, <laughs> you need that. You need someone to say, no, God's Word, that can't be the Holy Spirit because it's against God's Word. And you can't just have the Word of God because that has no power. Right? Just, just the Word of God alone has no power outside of, of the changing that the Holy Spirit does in your heart the enlightening that the Holy Spirit does to you. Paul knew the, the Word of God frontwards and backwards. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was killing Christians, and it took an encounter with Christ through the Holy Spirit to change how he saw Scripture. If you want to go through Acts or the end of Luke, follow these people who are literally walking with Christ and... and like. It says he opened their eyes to the word of God. Like he's talking and talking and he's, I guarantee he's saying the same things before it says their eyes were opened to the the whole word of God. He's saying the same thing before and after that. And there's a switch, something switches. And that's the Holy Spirit enlightening them. And that's what we need. And you can't just have community. You can go to a bowling alley, join a bowling team or something. I don't know if people still do that. I'm sure they do. (laughs) you go join some club somewhere, you know. Uh, I know, like, several uh, older people I know who, are like, in their 70s or 80s, retired and stuff, they're a part of, like, 20 clubs, and that's what they do all week is these clubs. And it's like, you know, there's the Rotary Club. I don't even know what that is. And, like, the Sewing Club and the Card Club. I don't know. But... People can find community anywhere, but that community a lot of times more draining than life-giving without the Holy Spirit, without the Word of God. Communities can quickly divulge into to sin and debauchery without the Word of God. I love hanging out with friends, but if I'm just hanging out with people for the sake of hanging out all the time, uh, we're going to get into some not-so-great stuff. Because honestly, sometimes that seems more fun to us. But the word of God tells us what's really fun. So that's just look for that grace in scripture is kind of what I want to get across here. I kind of got on a tangent there, but we should be looking for how God helps his people through his Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Okay. If you start looking for that, you'll start seeing it in your own life. Right? You'll see that um, when you... A lot of prayer went into the school I chose. Right? For instance. Not just by me, but, you know, my whole family and everyone. And the school I chose wasn't just significant because I got a degree from there. Or somehow. But the Holy Spirit helped me along in this process. It wasn't just me. It was the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance that I ended up at Wright State and ended up joining RCF and ended up joining this church. And I know that because I saw God work for his people through his Holy Spirit throughout his word. And I can recognize it in my own life. And the more you search for his grace through his Holy Spirit and his word, I guarantee uh, you'll see more of it in your own life. Not because it wasn't there before, but because you now finally have the eyes to see it. Another thing that's going to be helpful, and this is going to be right along that grace thing, okay, is if you want an easy way to find the Holy Spirit in Scripture, um, there's a lot of word pictures to to describe the Holy Spirit. So I listed a few here, uh, just a bunch that I thought off on the top of my head. There's so many. Um, but if you see these things, you instantly think, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. How's God working his grace in these people's lives? And each of these word pictures, um, the thing to get about word pictures is they describe an attribute or a, a part of so, something's character. It's like, I don't have the words to describe it, so I'm going to give you another word of something I think is kind of similar, right? So... It's like when you tell your wife or girlfriend that she makes you think of a sunset, because you can't quite get that into words. Uh, but she knows it when you say it, and she'll she'll you know bat her eyes when you do. But there's a part of, of character that you can't get with just normal words. It's like I can't I can't describe it. So a sunset. Or if you read the Song of Solomon, I guess like a, a flock of sheep descending a hill or something. Like Word pictures are really helpful and they describe a part of someone's character. You know, I'm not like always thinking of my wife as like a sunset. That's not all she is to me, is a sunset. You know, a sunset comes and goes. Uh, hopefully my wife doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it does get a certain aspect of her that, you know, I really appreciate. And so these words really help us understand the Holy Spirit. For instance, I'll just take, take the dove example here. Doves are worldwide symbol of peace. Um, and if you go into scripture at all, you know uh, Noah's Ark and, and the dove that brought proof that, like, the Lord is, is going to restore the land and you're not going to be stuck on this chaotic water any longer the rain's going to stop and so when you see the, the dove descend on Christ we see this picture of, of, of a promise of peace right and we get another aspect of who the Holy Spirit is. He's, he's the harbinger of peace, the harbinger of God's promise. And so we know that Pentecost is a big deal because the Holy Spirit's descended on us. Our world should be full of peace and God's promise, right? Right? So that's just one, and, and that'd be a fun exercise if you want to take the time to go and, and try and understand God's character through these images. Well, and that's one that's not on here, but it's in your outline that I think is super important, uh, is if you read Genesis 24, it'll give you a picture of, of the Godhead. And all their different roles, you know, the father's role, the son's role, the servant, or the Holy Spirit's role, and then our role in the gospel. And it's just, in one chapter, it's the description of the Bible. Genesis 24, you can see the whole redemption story right there in front of you. And uh, you can take the time to uh, learn who's who, because normally I do this outline with someone, it takes me three hours right? I'm kind of breezing through it here. It um, may not seem like that to you, but I, I'm breezing through it, trust me. It gets a lot more boring uh, if I have you sat down with some coffee. But it's exciting stuff. It, and so in Genesis 24, you see this picture of a servant sent to go fetch a bride for the son. And that's another aspect of who the Holy Spirit is. He's the servant come to fetch the bride for the son. And so who is this bride? Well, it's the church in its fullness, in its full glory, which we haven't reached yet because everyone, no matter what your eschatology, gets that Christ is, you know, the bride's going to come at the fullness of time, right? That's an easy one. The bride's ready at the fullness of time. So who's he coming for? He's coming for his church. And the Holy Spirit's job is is supposed to go out into the world, And prepare the bride, this servant, to go on behalf of the Son and the authority of the Father and bring back this readied bride who's going to um, glorify all those around her with her beauty. I like... That's a big deal. That's a part of who the Holy Spirit is. That's a part of his character, his attributes, his personality as a servant. Someone who's, who, who's come to prepare us. So you should go through and look at those sometime and, and try and find your own examples and understand the Holy Spirit in a deeper way and the grace that he, he brings to you um, through his character and those word pictures are just an easy way to see them in Scripture. So on to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I know this is like application where the rubber meets the road, and this is going to be the shortest thing we talk about. Um, but hopefully you just see the importance of the Holy Spirit and understand Him in a new light, in a new way, because this is really important to us. So these seven aspects are, are all in the outline as well. And they actually have verses to go along with them. I'm not going to go and, and read all of them because we're going to end on time today, I think. So, seven aspects. And, and just think of this. I think we all know these seven aspects. Um, and if you've been a Christian longer than a week, you've, you've seen these and you've learned that uh, these aspects are something that are impossible for you to, like, accomplish yourself. And... Uh, or think it's really hard and you're trying to find an answer to it, like, Lord, how can I be actually convicted of my sin? Well, I've got an answer for you guys, and it's in these aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So it bears witness of Christ. You would never have understood Christ as the Son of God and your need for Christ without the Holy Spirit. Again, I go back to the example of Paul. He thought Christ was a heretic, a blasphemous heretic. And in that culture, the vilest, worst person, worse than a murderer. That's who Paul thought Christ was. And then he was enlightened by the Holy Spirit and saw that Christ's death and resurrection was God's promise and was going to change the world and save him from all his striving. The Holy Spirit convicts us. In our sinfulness, sin is the funnest thing we can do. We love our sin, we love it. If you don't think you love your sin, try and stop sinning. (laughs) I tell that to people all the time. Uh, I. I don't know how factually accurate this is, but I think I remember a story about Benjamin Franklin way back where he he saw certain aspects of character that he really liked and he tried to do, he would try and perfect one each week. So like not lying, right? Or like uh, not gossiping or, you know, not stealing or something like that. You know, he saw these character attributes and he would do it one week and then the next week he would try and perfect the other one and while still doing... The first one. And he found, like, pretty quickly after, like, two or three weeks, he's like, I may be able to stop lying for a week, but I can't stop lying. I can't stop lusting. I can't stop jealousy. I can't stop blaspheming the name of God. I can't stop all of this all at once. I'm it takes all my strength to just stop lying. And he quickly gave up and then got electrocuted or something by a kite. <laughs> I don't know Ben Franklin that well. So <laughs> you can fact check me whether that story is true or not, but it makes the point. We love our sin, and we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of it because your sin's killing you. That's just true. Whether, you know, everyone can agree, like, my gambling addiction's killing me, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, my my bitterness and unforgiveness has destroyed every relationship I have and now I'm alone and that's killing me. Or my gluttony has uh, given me diabetes and I'm literally dying because of my gluttony. There's so many things, like our sin is killing us and you don't need the Bible to figure that out. Um, It really helps if you have the Bible uh, and you don't care that it's killing you unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to that. That's just the truth. So we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. I pray that regularly. Lord, convict me of my sin because I, I don't want to stop. I want to want to stop. That's the only reason I can pray this prayer. But I don't want to stop sinning. So I pray for conviction. I pray for conviction for our church. I pray for it for myself. And this one, Sam's going to like this. It leads you to worship. You know, he's talked about spiritual warfare today in worship. And uh, unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, fear of man, um, lethargy, uh, Distractions, anxieties, whatever you want to call it, this spiritual warfare is gonna do all it can to stop you from lifting your hands up during worship. And so, if you're like he, you know, Sam asked us to lift up our hands during worship, but I'm not going to. Think why? He he literally had just finished telling us like that's spiritual warfare, <laughs> and people weren't raising their hands. <laughs> after he said, let's raise our hands, there's power in it. If you're having trouble lifting your hands, ask the Holy Spirit, lead me into worship. Because if there's a certain point, if, you're in, if the Holy Spirit leads you so much into worship and your heart just like totally changes into worship, I guarantee you, you're not gonna care what other people are looking at. You're just gonna lift your hands. One, because God told you to, and two, because you feel like it. Because the Holy Spirit led you into worship. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into truth. Again, just vice versa, you know, you can follow the Holy Spirit and get into a lot of weird stuff if it's not backed up by the Word and the church. If you just have the Word of, you know, if you just have a Bible in front of you, you can get into a lot of weird stuff if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. I gave that example of Paul. Right? There's so many other examples. There's people who, who have like all these crazy theories about what revelation means, and they totally miss God's character and what he's about and his redemptive story. And You can find all kinds of weird stuff in the Bible if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And you can find a whole lot of weird stuff in church if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. You know how many cults are out there that are asking you to do all kinds of things that are not in God's heart? God doesn't want you to go to church so you can hold a venomous snake in your hands. That's not the Holy Spirit's intention. (laughs) And and all this is done by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm so tired of feeling weak. Our whole culture is, is a culture of people who feel weak and disempowered. What is depression but disempowerment? I can't get through this day. I can't uh, be excited about tomorrow. I can't get off out of my bed. I can't do this or that. Like we're disempowered. Our whole culture is disempowered. We all feel. Why are we striving so much about labels and all this stuff? If like we think labels give us power, but if they don't. The Holy Spirit's who empowers you. Not a label. Not the government doesn't empower you. Uh, Your self-help book doesn't empower you. Uh, Your essential oils don't empower you. Your Enneagram doesn't empower you. Your uh, media doesn't empower Your social media uh, standing or clout doesn't empower you. What empowers you is the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking for... For empowerment, that's where you should go. And I know we all are. No one wants to feel weak. But the truth is, we are weak. Like I said, our sin is killing us. And God's the one who empowers us. God's the one that gets us out of bed in the morning and gets us to our job. Everyone I know, when they, their life is starting to be touched by the Holy Spirit, like a, a, a clear fruit of that is like they stop losing jobs. <laughs> They stop quitting jobs or getting fired. They show up on the days they don't want to go. That's such a, a small practical like thing that's like, that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't go to my job unless I was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? And I have a pretty decent job. I enjoy it. The Holy Spirit represents the Father and the Son. Again, this is like that critical role um, that we talked about. It's like a different role. Um, all of these are, are role-specific, ministries specific to the Holy Spirit, and one is to represent the Father and the Son. Again, I said that harbinger of God's promise, right? He's an, an advocate. He's the servant who, who was sent in the authority of the Father to represent the Son, uh, and if you want to know God, which, you know, I hope you do, if you want to know God, you need to know the Holy Spirit. You're not going to find God without the Holy Spirit. And, and lastly is primary active agent. And this is kind of, you can see all of these are kind of tied together, and you can't really separate them out, but it helps us to make lists. So uh, here's the list, and, and it ends in private, primary active agent. So if you, like, want God to, like, come and, and meet us here during worship or during whatever, if you want to be a church that excels in evangelism or in community or, uh, like, if you pray a prayer to God and say, God, and, and even if you're praying, like, specifically to the Father, you say, Father God, uh, I'm praying for so-and-so, will you please... Uh, Make them a Christian. God, I'm praying for so-and-so. Will you please give them healing? God, will you please uh, open doors to a better job? Like, this isn't, I can't get by on these wages, Lord. What you're praying to, you may say, Father God, but how's Father God gonna, gonna meet you where you are? He's chosen to do it through the Holy Spirit. And so when that person does get healed or they become a Christian or you get a new job or whatever, that was the Holy Spirit's doing. God answered your prayers through the Holy Spirit. So it's important to understand that. So finally, we were, uh, I'm going to mention uh, as we get ready for communion, um, I've got the same communion meditation from last week up if we can pull that up. Uh, the elders asked me to to give an update on our prayers that have been going out to India, specifically for Prabhakar, who's, uh, if you guys remember, his two-year-old daughter uh, recently passed, um, and we took the collection for him and his family. Uh, Stephen Onvesh and... Uh, like the two main guys in India, David Yamarty and uh, Shindu, uh, had a conference call with Pravakar recently, and uh, they just finally got the wire, the money wire to, to him and his family in India. And it's, we finally got it through. yeah, we finally got it through. It, was, it took a while to get it through. Um, it's not the most efficient system, but it got through and it's, he said it's been helping so much with funeral funeral costs and and just other things. Uh, and so thank you guys for doing that for stepping up and and being a community uh, The only way we can have a community with people halfway around the world is is through the Holy Spirit, and we're joined through through this spirit that we've all been baptized in and and so I'm sure Prabhakar is not only, him and his family not, are not only like strengthened and uh, encouraged by, you know, the funds we sent, but they're encouraged by that we're there with them in spirit. So he did ask that uh, you keep praying for them. Um, apparently a couple of weeks ago, his sister-in-law passed because of COVID, and right now his uh his second oldest sister uh, is in critical care. She's got um, 84% oxygen saturation, which is like really bad. Um, so just keep them in your prayers. Uh, I think there's, there's one verse uh, I want to share, Philippians 2.27, if you guys want to turn to that. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on us also, lest we should have sorrow upon sorrow. So we are, like I said, through the Holy Spirit, we're bound to these people. We're in community with them, even though they're halfway around the world, and uh so our our prayers don't only go out to Prabhakar and his family for for healing for his sister, um, healing for their family after this uh, loss, but it goes out with them in spirit that that we not have not just for them but for us too. You know, his sorrow is our sorrow. So we we come to this this table, this meal, remembering that we truly are in community with. These people and, and millions of others around the world, and that's what, what's so special about this. So I hope that uh, this message sinks deep into your hearts. Um, I know it's just it was a lot of factual stuff today, uh, but I hope you are impacted by it and uh, look at the Holy Spirit in a new light. Because it's been really impactful for me to understand these things and so many others I know. So uh, please come forward.